0: This episode of the Derek Diamond Experience is brought to you by GameFly. Sign up for a premium free 30-day trial at GameFlyOffer.com NerdCave. One game out, shipped directly to you. No contracts, and you can cancel any time. GameFly has over 8,000 new releases for PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo 3DS, and more. Rent as many as you want, and get them delivered right to your mailbox. And to get your free trial, just go to GameFlyOffer.com NerdCave. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash Nerdcave for your free 30-day trial.
1: You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network.
0: Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, episode 147, and today is part two of my look inside the world of the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. You'll be hearing more about what we do uh, as part of the front office staff to prepare for a Blue Wahoos game, and today you'll be hearing from Blue Wahoos broadcaster Tommy Thrall, executive chef Travis Wilson, groundskeeper Ray Sayre, and group sales executives Jamie Briggs and Tommy Too. So you'll be hearing quite a bit of a variety on today's show. You'll be learning about broadcasting, cooking, getting the field prepped, selling tickets. So much goes into preparing for a baseball game, and hopefully you guys enjoy this as much as I had doing it. So without further ado, here is part two of my look inside the world of the Blue Wahoos. Sitting here with Blue Wahoos broadcaster, Mr. Tommy Thrall. Tommy, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've been here all six seasons now. We're in our sixth season here at the Blue Wahoos. So you've kind of really got to see the evolution of the team. You know, We've gone from not being a very good team to winning four straight division half championships. What do you think has been the key to that happening?
2: Well, I think a, a a big part of that is, you know, Pat Kelly, our manager, has just done an incredible job, and I I, I don't want to put it all on him uh, because that would be a little bit unfair to the players that that come through here. But but I think he's kind of the common denominator when you really look at it. Um, there've been a couple of different pitching coaches over that stretch, uh, and it just seems like the consistency of play and. You know, one thing that I think he does is he gets the most out of the guys and they play for him, and he brings this winning mentality. Uh, I think back to other guys that have been great managers uh, with this team as well. Jim Riggleman was a guy that that comes to mind as a guy that was a great manager. You know, I think he was another guy that got more out of his team than the sum of its parts, uh, which I think is incredible, and I think Pat does the same thing. Those those teams under Riggleman, you know, he was only here for a year, but those two halves – the team finished right around 500 and and they were they kind of worked their way into the race both halves um and I thought he did an excellent job but you know the, the job that Pat does I think is just incredible uh, and then I think we've seen an un, uh, an influx in talent as well guys that have come up and and have really started to hit their stride here which is which is a, a big piece of it as well guys that just haven't come up and and you know just filled out a roster spot that they they've, they've they're guys that have come up and really grown and developed and and gotten better and and turned into big leaguers before our eyes here at Double A, which I think is so much fun to watch.
0: Now, I would I would agree with that and seeing you know I think especially this year I've really started to notice like how much talent we have, especially on the pitching. You know, we've had Tyler Malley, uh, who's in Louisville now. He was excellent first half of the season. Do you think the the pitching I feel like has been? an integral part of the Wahoos' success, especially this season.
2: It has, and I think you look at, at you know, last year, uh, the, the pitching was important. It was good. It took a step up this year, and I think you're going to notice a difference between the first half and the second half, and the biggest difference is going to be the pitching. I think the lineup actually got a little bit better in the second half, but the pitching took kind of a, a, a downturn. Now, I think that the offense uh, improved more uh, with the additions that we got, then the pitching got worse. Um, but I think pitching is just a little bit more valuable when you're trying to win um, and, and losing guys like Castillo and losing guys like Mali because they turned into big league pitchers during their time here. Uh, you look back even to the, the start of the season. Luis Castillo was not a major league pitcher uh, when this team broke camp in April. He's not just pitching in the major leagues now. He is a major league pitcher. He's not just a guy that went up there for a couple of starts to fill a void. No, I, I would be shocked if he goes back down. His last time out, he was even better. And now he's he's getting better each start with the Reds. And he's made four starts in the big leagues and just keeps getting better. He's not going anywhere. He's there to stay. Tyler Malley will be there not far behind. And I think he's another guy that you're going to see have a lot of success. And in the six years... I really think those might be the two best pitchers we've seen come through here. The other two names that come come to mind, everybody thinks of Robert Stevenson because of the fanfare with his prospect status when he was playing here. Uh, but I, I really think uh, Cody Reed and, and Tony Singrani were the two that, that are close to where those guys are and were when they were with us. So uh, they are probably two of the best arms we've had and, and certainly probably the two best we've certainly ever had at the same time.
0: I would agree with that. What's been your favorite moment, like maybe your favorite moment to call, but just your favorite moment with the team that's happened so far this season? I
2: I think the perfect game without question is, is, you know, the one that stands out. I I don't know that I'll ever forget that. I remember the no-hitter with uh, Daniel Corsino and Wilkin De La Rosa in year one and how much fun that was. You know, it was a sold-out crowd. It was at home. It was the first year. There was already all that buzz from the first year. Uh, and then and then you see Tyler Malley this year throw the perfect game. Uh, the, the only drawback to it was it was on the road, and, and I think it was in a place where people didn't really appreciate to the full extent what was happening, uh, but we did. The, the players on the field did. Uh, Tyler Malley, even though his reaction wouldn't necessarily suggest that he did, he understood, but I think he also understood that it was just another step in the process, and and I think that's what really speaks volumes to him. But the fact that it was done as well as it was, I, I, that's the type of performance that I'll remember forever. Uh, just the sheer number of pitches that he threw it was so low. Uh, he didn't even throw 90 pitches. He he only threw like 20 balls all game. Uh, so many strikes. He was in such command of not just the game but the strike zone and every aspect of his game was was on point. It was the best pitched game that I have ever seen, and I would be shocked if I ever see a game – pitched as well, regardless of where I'm at, whether I'm here or you know, if I'm fortunate enough to, to get to the major leagues and, and do this for a living up there. I, I don't anticipate ever seeing a game pitched better than that. Um, uh, it, it, I know it's an on-field moment, but but it, it was just incredible, and, and it was one of those things where you'll remember where you were, what time of the year it was, and and it's one where you'll probably even remember the we- the, the weather that night. I mean, it was just it was just one of those great nights, and and it was uh it, it's it's got its own special spot lodged in my mind.
0: Well, it's one of those things you never know if you'll ever see a perfect game again, or if you even see one in your lifetime. Right. So
2: no, you you don't. And and I I sent that tape out to, to a lot of people that I respect in broadcasting to, to see what they thought of it. You know, as a broadcaster, you're constantly wanting to get better. You, you do that by sending stuff out and getting critiques, and, and everybody I sent it to said, wow, you saw a perfect game and got a chance to call one. These are big league guys, and they're like, I've never even seen one of those. And, and so that was kind of neat, and, and it That's makes awesome. you appreciate it even more.
0: That's awesome. Last question about the team. What do you expect from the Wahoos in the second half?
2: You know, I'm, interesting, uh, I'm interested to see. The thing that has blown me away you get three guys up from high A, you don't really know what to expect. We're into our third series now with these guys. No, it's our fourth series with these guys, and they have performed flawlessly. Shed long is, is starting to come along now, but you've always been able to see it. You know, the, Even when he was struggling, he was still hitting the ball hard. But Gavin LaVallee and Nick Senzel were as advertised, and you don't get that very often when guys come up from high A. It's a tough transition to make. You wouldn't guess it at all. By watching those guys. And uh, so because of that, one thing I know is that this team's going to score some runs. They've been in a little bit of a funk here lately. They're going to come out of it. They'll score runs. Uh, they're going to be fun to watch. The problem is, I don't think the pitching's quite as good as it was in the first half. Still good. I think Austin Ross coming back certainly helps. Dak McGuire's had a tremendous yes. second half to this point. So yes. those two kind of fill that void of Castillo and Mali But remember, so much of that first half, we also had Austin Ross, who was leading the league in ERA as part of that rotation. Now I think you've got a couple of spots in that rotation where you don't know what you're going to get. One guy that I've I've been impressed with here over his last couple of starts that I think is really starting to to make some progress is Jose Lopez. And, And if he continues to progress the way he has so far, then I think you're looking at a pretty good rotation. The bullpen's starting to fall into place. I I really think this team has a chance to win their fifth straight half, to be honest with you. Um, but but it's going to come down to pitching. The offense, the bats are going to be there. It's just is the pitching going to be able to hold up? And uh, I'm, I'm curious, as, as I'm sure everybody else is, to see how it holds up. And if it if it turns out to, to progress like it did in the first half, then I think you could be looking at a team that isn't only going to be strong in the half, but they'll have a chance to, to make a deep run in the postseason, which has kind of eluded this team over the last few years.
0: So last question. We have kind of a, a running gag up here in the press box.
2: Mustard or beer cheese? Oh, beer cheese. W- without question. It, I don't even know why mustard belongs in the pretzel <laughs> conversation. It, it, I've only recently started to even dabble in mustard, but only when it's mixed with ketchup. And, and other than that, mustard, just it, it's, it's a wasted condiment.
0: I don't know if I'll go that far, but I will agree with you on the beer cheese. The beer cheese
2: is is very good. Nothing complements a pretzel better. No,
0: no, I would totally. A agree bad with beer
2: that. cheese can ruin it all, but that's true. If it's done right, it's it's the best that's compliment true. to and a good you, soft pretzel. If you if
0: you get the the pretzels at Mellow Mushroom, you always got to order extra beer cheese. Yes,
2: without without question. So good. Did they did they pay for that plug?
0: Um, unfortunately, no. No, no, no they, they they didn't give me money. <laughs> well, Tommy, thank you very much for the time.
2: I appreciate it, Derek. Thanks so much.
0: Sitting here once again with Executive Chef Travis Wilson. Chef, how are you today, sir?
3: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
0: Doing good. A little hot out there. It's a A little scorching. A little toasty. Yeah, we're in July, and if you live in Florida, you know that's the prime time of the year for it to... Get a little toasty.
3: The dog days, as they say.
0: The dog days of summer. So we're sitting up here. uh, We're a little over halfway through the season. This is your sixth season, correct? You've been here since 2012. Yes, sir. How's it been so far compared to seasons of past?
3: Uh, It's been pretty good. We've had a little bit of a struggle with staffing and keeping consistent workers, but I think that's going to be a problem when you have a part-time operation anyways. But overall, I think we've done really well. And with
0: a new season comes new homestand specials. And you're always coming up with new ideas, whether it be specials exclusive for the homestand or food that you feature exclusively. And one thing that you added that's become one of my favorite things is the quesadilla. What was your inspiration behind coming up with your chicken quesadilla?
3: Well, as you know, we survey every game, and I got a lot of feedback for healthier options. And so this year I figured why not add a... A baked quesadilla, basically, with some roasted chicken, some onions, and peppers, and garlic. Top it with our world famous heater sauce. Serve it with some pico, some chips, and it's a great comparison to burger and fries. You got your quesadilla and chips and salsa. So, and it's worked out pretty well.
0: And I think having that variety is really good too. And as the container it comes in, isn't really that much different in size compared to, like, the burger or the chicken. So it's not like you're having to carry, you know, an armful of food. So when you think quesadillas, quesadillas are fairly gigantic, it seems like. But the ones that, that you make, they're a little bit smaller, but they're still packed with, you know, your chicken, your sauce and everything. So it's really good. I, well, I, I really it. enjoy it. Yeah. And you also have the unique homestand specials that you come up with. So say, you know, the most recent one you came up with was the ABG the for the Montgomery biscuits
3: yep the uh, easy as A B G. every time Montgomery comes to town it's almost like a given I have to use biscuits in some way and we've done chicken sandwiches with biscuits we've done burgers with the hash browns last year with the Bubba dough biscuit and I figured why not just do biscuits and gravy kick it up a notch I'm doing a uh, chicken andouille sausage gravy mm-hmm. top it on a or put it on top of hash brown kind of like breakfast at night which who doesn't like that
0: Oh, breakfast is good anytime um, that's actually i concur a, that's a debate that we have up here my it's, my
3: counterpart does not agree with no, me. no that is not a debate that's what i say then he must have never gone to waffle house after uh, midnight
0: <laughs> anytime somebody says that i'm just like how can you not enjoy breakfast
3: i completely agree i could eat an omelet for dinner at any time
0: oh have some nice bacon and some scrambled eggs and all that fun stuff yeah. for like seven o'clock at night. Watch some Netflix.
3: Biscuits and gravy.
0: Oh, biscuits and gravy too. <laughs> no, but the, no all the homestand specials the, this season have been have been pretty solid. So uh, that's something I'm always looking forward to. Every homestand is what you're going to do for the next special. Because I'm always thinking, okay, it's going to be something to do with the team, like with the ABG. I'm like, okay, he's going to do biscuits. I know you guys have done the absolutely the rise and Scheinberger was, was, you know, biscuit with a hamburger patty. And that one was really good too, but biscuits and gravy are, are top notch.
3: It's yeah. something simple, but just taking up a notch, a little, uh, panache, if you will. Absolutely. But it, it's, it's one of those things I've done it for three years now. And it, it's not like, it's not as easy as it was the first year. Cause I feel like we've done so many different things from the shrimp and rice bowl last year to the short rib grilled cheese to the redfish top with crawfish at I mean, it's, I feel like we've done a lot of unique things, and sometimes uh, the fans forget that. Not saying that they yeah. don't, you know what I mean. It's just like it's, it's it's hard to keep impressing them, which I do try to do. So that was a lot of do's in that sentence. Sorry about that.
0: That's all good. I think, you know, something that we can compare departments to is we're the ones who are always adapting and really changing, I think, the most every year. Not saying that, like, box office or sales doesn't, but you can tell that we have to keep coming up with new things to do, like you guys coming up with new food. We've got to change our scoreboard layout. Themes. Uh, look, all themes, stuff. all that
3: fun stuff. So Both of our departments are fluid, and then both of our departments are the most heavily criticized on these surveys, which is kind of, kind of a bummer because, to be honest, our departments are why people come to watch minor league baseball. It's either to eat and... Be entertained. It's not really for the baseball unless you're a diehard, which we do have a few of those, but yeah, they're outnumbered by the regulars.
0: So it's something like you know every season. Really, homestand, as I was saying, is that's one of the things I always look forward to. Is what you guys are going to do next as far as food specials, and you've done the the desserts too. Like you yeah. had the was it the chocolate chip cheesecake sandwich? We
3: had we had that. Then we had the Reese's trifle which Reese has enjoyed apparently. And then the Butterfinger bread pudding. I like doing one-off specials like that because they can be a little more prep intensive and I can do it for one day. Like last year, the Kevin Bacon night when we did the the bacon bites, like Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that for a whole homestand because my cooks would hate me. But for one (laughs) night only, you know, it's kind of like fun and different.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, to close out, uh, you were just telling me off air you you've got some uh, you've got some pretty exciting news coming
3: up. I do. I've been invited by uh, my parent company, Comcast Spectacor, to be a part of a culinary innovation summit in Rosemont, Illinois, with uh, seven other chefs. I was handpicked by our vice president of culinary, whatever his he's a vice president. So, I'll be going there in August and uh, hopefully creating some new items that will be sold throughout the U.S.
0: That's awesome! Congratulations, Uh, you're more than deserving. I know you'll, you'll kick something that I can't say on the air, but you know what I mean.
3: <laughs> I'll come up with some uh, Funka Delicacies, like we like to say.
0: Uh, Funka Delicious. <laughs> All right, thank you, Chef. Absolutely. Before we continue this look inside the world of the Blue Wahoos, I have to tell you about a brand new sponsor of the Derek Diamond Experience, Loot Crate. Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. If you don't know about Loot Crate, it's a fantastic service. I've had Loot Crate for over a year now. You get a monthly box with all types of cool, nerd, and geeky stuff. You get anything from t-shirts, kitchen utensils, towels, action figures, collectibles, pop figures. So many cool things. I know recently I got a cool Ninja Turtle shirt, a Transformer shirt, Nightmare on Elm Street chopsticks. All kinds of cool stuff comes from Loot Crate they have loot crate, they have loot wear if you just want the shirts, the socks, underwear, all types of cool things. Loot crate is a fantastic service and to save 10% on any new subscription, go to trylootcrate.com/nerdcave. Again, that's trylootcrate.com/nerdcave to save 10% on any new subscription. Don't forget to enter the promo code bridge10. Sitting here with Blue Wahoo's groundskeeper, Mr. Ray Sayer.
1: Ray, how are you, sir? Great, how are you? Doing good. A little toasty out
0: here. A little bit, a little bit.
1: A little bit, yes. Uh, it's july in pensacola it's you know pretty standard i guess
0: yeah we were actually sitting up in the in the press box and we're like these are days that we do not envy you and west
1: yeah yeah we we had a pretty good uh, first half of the season we got lucky that it was nice weather for as long as it was but now it's finally summertime so we'll we'll deal with it i guess
0: well it's interesting because we had all that rain in late june so it actually kind of cooled things off and we're like it's really not that bad and now that All that rain's gone. We're just like, yeah, we're in the dog days of summer. Yep, we are. So, uh, how's the season been going for for you and Wes? Because I know that uh, you guys changed up the infield pattern a little bit. Is that something that you guys do on a yearly basis?
1: No, not not necessarily yearly. It's just kind of we do it on feel, you know, things like that. If, if we want to change some things here and there to kind of, you know, keep it fresh. Uh, it's not necessarily something you have to do or anything like that. But but to kind of keep it interesting for us, we, we like to every once in a while.
0: Yeah. So take me through a normal game day for you. You get here. What's the first thing you do when you start to prep for a Blue Wahoos game?
1: Sure. So, so I'm going to be here no later than 9 o'clock uh pretty much every day, uh whether it's a four o'clock Sunday or a six thirty uh night game. Uh, we're going to start at 9 o'clock uh, and, and typically the first thing we do is assess the weather. I mean, if, if the tarp's already on the field, then obviously we need to get it off if the weather is done or or we may need to uh, kind of make a plan based on what the weather looks like. You know, if it looks like we have, you know, no rain at, in the forecast, then we kind of move forward with, uh, we'll kind of start uh, cleaning up the warning track from the night before. There's usually, you know, peanut shells and, and that sort of stuff everywhere. So we clean that up and we start mowing the grass, which... Uh, uh, takes about an hour, hour and a half, depending on uh, the, the the pattern or the direction in which we're mowing. Um, and then I, I personally will start working on the dirt areas, which which are kind of a tedious process of just making sure that it's it's good and playable for the guys when they come out for BP. Um, so so basically, you know, we're mowing and cleaning up a lot of stuff from the night before. Um, and again, just, just always watching the weather because you never know what might happen and you always have to kind of you know, change your plans based on, oh, there's no rain in the forecast and then bam, all of a sudden there is or, or there is rain in the forecast. So you're kind of rushing to get a few things done and then you realize, well, shoot, it didn't rain. So now we're kind of ahead of the game and we might be able to knock out a few things that we didn't expect to do that day because we're, we're kind of ahead. Um, early work. Typically starts for the the team around 2:30 when they come out for some some early batting practice. Uh, sometimes they might come out a little sooner if they want to do some infield activities with the the infielders taking ground balls and that sort of stuff. But basically, we prep from nine o'clock until about 2:30 just for practice, basically. So so a lot of people think you know during the day we're we're prepping for the game, but but honestly, most of what we do is really trying to prep the field for. For practice and if we can get things good for them then we sort of try to maintain it through the you know two two and a half three hours of of early work and then bp between the home team and the visiting team before we can kind of break down all that equipment and then kind of do our final preps for the six thirty 30 game um, but that's sort of how we get to game time and again it's constantly watching the weather uh, and then obviously during the game where we're still doing that sort of stuff, I'm in constant contact with, with the umpires. If there's ever even sort of a, a glimpse of some sort of rain, just so that they're not surprised because they're on the field. So they don't necessarily have access to a radar or any sort yeah. of weather forecasting thing. Uh, so I try to kind of be there, their eyes and ears on that sort of stuff, um, we obviously will, will drag the infield twice a game, which is, is something we like to do. It kind of helps us just as much as it helps the infielders, and, and obviously some people like to watch us dance at the end of the sixth inning. Yeah, um, Not necessarily something that we're, we're fond of, but you know, there's times where we have a good time with it and we, we do it, and it's, it's all in good fun. Um, do
0: some YMCA, some chicken dance. Yeah, Fun you know, uh, stuff the, like the that. stuff
1: that everybody knows how to do and we can get the crowd involved and that sort of stuff. And we'll throw some crazy stuff in there every once in a while. We try to figure out what the the, the, the big songs for yeah. the, the summer are and we try to kind of throw those in there every once in a while. Uh, and then obviously after the game, you know, we're still here. We, we work for about an hour, hour and a half after the game, which some people may not realize that we actually work that much after the game. It's uh, So, again, with the weather that we have in Pensacola being so – you know, hit or miss. After the game, by the time we leave the the, the stadium, we, we could basically play another game if we had to at that point. And yeah. and we get to that point just because you never know what the weather is going to be the next day. So we could get here, you know, at six o'clock the next morning and have to throw the tarp on and and that tarp stay on until five thirty. And if we haven't done any of that stuff that we would normally do after the game, then we're not going to start that game on time. So it's always a matter of just trying to get where we can get to so that we're always prepared for the worst, basically. And it's funny I say that, that we could play a game after that hour, hour and a half of work after a game, but yet we still come in the next day at 9 o'clock and we have all this work to do before Mm -hmm. 2.30 when the team comes out for early work. But it's always details, and it's mowing, and it's just just trying to do what we can to kind of make, make the field as consistent as possible for these guys when they come out here day in and day out.
0: Yeah. Last question, how was the transition? Because we did something different this offseason. We had UWF football. How was the transition from baseball to
1: football? Well, it was an interesting transition. I mean, we all kind of know what's involved with it, but since we had never actually done it and never have done it here, it was obviously a learning experience and and sort of a learning curve involved in kind of how to do it. Uh, and obviously going into this year we have a better idea of what, what we can expect and some things that we can do to maybe make the process a little easier, both going from baseball to football and then obviously back to baseball. Uh, but it was it was a lot of hard work. I mean, obviously the initial conversion wasn't the full conversion because we had the playoff games for baseball and quick turnaround into football and then the possible back to baseball, which, yeah. which sort of luckily didn't happen, but unfortunately didn't happen all in the same time. Uh, and, and we'll be right back in that scenario again this year with the playoffs. But, but again, going through it once already, we, we sort of have an idea of how, how it works and how we can kind of do it and what to expect. And, and hopefully we just be able to streamline some of those processes and make it a lot easier for everybody involved.
0: Absolutely. Well, Ray, thank you so much for taking time to talk. This is great. Always enjoy it.
1: Sitting here with group
0: sales executives, Mr. Tommy too, Mr. Jamie Briggs. How you guys doing?
4: Doing good, doing good. How are you doing, Mr. Diamond?
0: Doing good. Doing well. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming by. Uh, So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about uh, your role with the Blue Wahoos and kind of what you do to prep for a game day, because group sales is a big thing with us. You know, we always encourage people to bring groups, large amounts of people for party decks, uh, group seating, things like that. So what exactly goes into your job here at the Blue Wahoos?
5: Really, it's just a, a culmination of a lot of different things. So what we start off with is really, you know, the regular sales process, reaching out to clients and things like that. People have been out in the past. People have showed interest in us and talking to them, figuring out how many people they want to come out. Do they just want to have a group outing? Do they want to do a party deck? So there's a lot of different aspects of of the group groups itself. So, you know, there can be anything from Field of Dreams, High Five Tunnels, all these different types of events and the different things that then go with them. First pitches, things like that, that we can incentivize them for coming out as a group. Um, And once we get the numbers down and the date, that's really the main thing is figuring out how many people are coming and where they want to be and what date they're coming out. And then it's pretty uh, much from there, just making sure that you deliver everything you ask. So uh, that's I always tell people is you know, it's not for them to worry about. All they need to do is tell me what date they want to come out, how many people they're bringing, and then pay for it. And I can handle all the rest of the planning. So, and just make sure they know, hey, yeah, you can do a first pitch. You can do this. We can make sure your kids get signed up for on-field activities. And uh, and then just following through with it when they get here. So, on a day like today, got trainees and interns out there, you know, putting up umbrellas and all those kind of things to make sure the party decks are ready, make sure all the chairs and seats are out there. And then uh, when the people get here, just – make sure they have a good time. That's that's really what it is. It's just you're a host um, of the greatest event in Pensacola, so just make sure you follow through with it.
0: I will say I don't envy you guys around this time of year when you guys have to go clean off the deck, set up the umbrellas and things like that cuz it's it's pretty hot. It, yeah, it gets there. pretty
4: blistering hot especially since, you know, good old Florida and it's uh, bipolar weather with being super hot, and then 10 minutes later, it's going to be raining, got to put out the tarp, you know, in the middle of, you know, putting up all the party decks and the umbrellas, and then 25 minutes later, we're getting that call, hey, we got to take the tarp off in groups, we still got to go back out there, get everything ready for the game, so yeah, it's uh it's both fun and also very uh, exhausting sometimes, especially again with the weather coming up uh, mid-July and all that, but keeps us keeps us going.
5: Yeah, the weather is probably the worst part because it'll be raining during the day before, you know, before we get started and we're fielding a, every phone call from all our groups um and they get nervous and they don't want to come, you know, they're thinking that we're going to have to cancel the game. And I have to tell them, "Hey, we're going to do everything in our power to get this game played. That's not really up to us." So, if you decide not to come, there's not a whole lot I can do for you if we do play the game. And that's you know, you don't want to be a jerk about it, but there's times where it's like i i don't have any leeway you know my you're supposed to be here today's your date um and so you try to work with them as best as possible and i always tell them you know nine times out of ten we're just going to get a late start and uh, they still need to get out here come enjoy it it's probably going to end up being a better night because those nights when it rains for most of the day and then it somehow magically stops raining about 5:30 when everybody starts showing up um it's a little bit cooler, a little bit nicer. Uh, it's been overcast for most of the day, so um, those days sometimes are better days than uh, than you know when it's been so hot out for so long.
0: I think you know when we had that period where it was raining every single day. It was before it rained out the All Star game, and then even a little bit after. I think we kind of got spoiled a bit by the cooler weather that that brought in, and now that the rain's pretty much gone, now it's dog days of summer.
5: Yeah, now we're gonna get into the when it's blistering hot all day long and then there's no relief uh, until the sun goes down and then August will come along and it'll probably rain every afternoon. So it's just one of those things, you know, we're, we're an outside stadium where it's an, it's a game that can be played in the rain. So, I mean, a lot of times we, uh, it's going to take a lot of weather for us to stop. And of course, you know, the Southern league, as well as, you know, our higher ups want to make sure the games get played. So we're going to do everything we can uh, to do it. And that's, that's we just kind of have to roll with it and hope for the best. So you guys do all this prep for the game, you've got, you know, you clean
0: off the deck, set up the umbrellas, chairs, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Once the game starts, what's your guys' game day routine? Because honestly, I never, I'm always in the press box, so I'm not sure what you guys do during the game.
4: Um, it's a variety of things. So first off, you know, we'll make sure that our group's entrance is set up. So all the groups that are coming out, whether like Jamie said, the party decks, the field of dreams, high five tunnel, that's kind of pretty much their entry point and their starting point when they get to the stadium. So either if it's myself working with the group or Jamie, Ben, any of the trainees, you know, we'll meet the group leader, kind of go over the gist of everything that we had worked with them leading up to the day, and then kind of refreshing them on everything that's gonna happen. So if I have a Field of Dreams team, you know, if it's myself or a trainee, they're gonna give them all the shirts, all the gift cards. Uh, we're gonna go over the routine of how we're gonna bring them into the tunnel, uh, get the kids to get them autographs and all that, and how we'll set them up on the field. Um, but once we get into the game, you know, it's really just delivering excellent customer service, just checking up on the groups. So if it's a party deck, you know, talking to the group leader saying, hey, how's the food? Uh, is it hot? Is the, the beverages, are they cold? Uh, how's the service? You know, is there anything that we can do to help you guys out to make this a little bit more you know better than what it is already you know we'll let them know about the group photos, stuff like that it's just really just a lot of checking up on them making sure that they're having a great time and again just thanking them for choosing to have business with us uh at the stadium so sweet so what's been your
0: individuals like your favorite wahoo's experience that you guys have had during your time it could be a funny story a cool moment uh favorite blue wahoo's memory
5: that, um, that's pretty tough. Yeah, I'm trying a- to think. Even going back last year, you know, you get to meet some pretty cool people um, from the players watching Dansby Swanson play last year and just being able – you know, you can see some of these guys and you're like, all right, that guy's probably going to be in the big leagues very shortly. And, I um, mean, you see some of the guys coming down, having Mezzarocco here at the beginning of the year. Um, last year I got to meet Dale Murphy along, you know, my childhood hero. And uh, when the you, – you never know who's – sometimes there could be a roving instructor, there could be a scout. Um, there's just a lot, you know, Tony La Russa hanging out at the all-star game. Uh, it's just, you get to meet some really cool people and you know, there's, there's a lot of times where we're working really hard and we get kind of stressed out with everything. And then you turn around and you're like, wait a minute, I'm at a baseball stadium and I'm getting paid to be here. So it's not that horrible. And, um, I just think that's really one of the things is just, you get to meet a lot of different people and do a lot of different things. Um, with the job and you know that's the other part about it is when there's things going on outside of the stadium or we have different events going on we kind of get a I don't want to say special treatment but I mean everybody knows who the Wahoos are and you work with the Wahoos so people kind of I don't know like just, a
4: community leader and like a figurehead
5: I yeah guess, we, there's know. a lot of times where we, we go to rotary events or we go to um chamber events and things like that and people oh you're with the Wa you know they get really excited about it so I think it's just kind of the overall aspect of that um would be for me i can't really single out one specific moment
4: um i mean i've been here since last season Uh, i was part-time in the box office and then obviously being uh full-time with group sales this season um i would say for me because honestly baseball is not my biggest passion i have more of a preference for basketball so kind of what, what jamie was saying with seeing like these guys come out and you know sooner rather than later they'll be in the big leagues to me it's not as big of a like oh god like dance b swanson's here but i mean it's cool to see that you know and say that I've seen him play a game. But I think for me, my favorite moment was actually probably doing the Roach Run because um, was working with Mary Jane. We were doing our Blue Wahoos favorites. Um, and I, I told her that the Roach Run was one of my favorite things because, you know, kids get to go out on the field. You know, they get to run around, let out some energy, and really get to have that experience and say, you know, at one point of time I was out on the field, and then who knows, maybe I'll be a baseball player playing for the Wahoos. And she ended up asking me, saying, hey, why don't you be the Roach? And I was like, yeah, that's no problem. And then when it was brought up in the meeting, they were like, let's have you do it on a Saturday night. You know, the night's where we sell out, and there's going to be you know, roughly 250 to 300 kids. So I was like, well, sure, why not? And honestly, that was probably one of the most terrifying things I've ever done (laughs) in my life. But it was also really cool because I was actually front and center as the Roach, and being able to see, like, man, like respect to the street team for them doing it because – you know, if you if you mess up one time, you know you're you're gonna get tackled like we saw last year with one of the interns. Um, but no, that was one of, probably one of my favorite moments. Just again, just seeing all the kids have fun and being able to be out there and you know be a part of a special moment for them.
0: It's a different experience being on the field for that thing as opposed yeah, to absolutely. watching it from the uh, from the stands or even right. up in the press box. Right. Right. It's a completely different feel on the field, yeah,
4: especially when you hear the roar of the crowd. When you know from their perspective, they see like oh, God, that kid's about to get caught. And then me, you know, focusing on, all right, let's just get to the end of the gate. And then hearing that the crowd get louder and louder, like, oh, gosh, am I about to get tackled? Am I about to fall? Like, what's going on? So. It's
5: always fun to be down there. And you can tell when it's somebody's first time being the roach. There's a definite fear in their eyes. Yes, I mean, you can absolutely. see you can see. we had a kid uh, that was on the uh, I think he's on the ground crew with Ray. And it was his we're walking out. And he's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, don't get caught. Yeah. Like, that's your main thing. He's like, I don't know where to stand. You could. Just, he was scared to death. And Tommy right. actually kind of yeah. pulled him aside. I was yeah. like, hey, man, yeah. this is where I would start. This is how this should yeah. happen.
4: I, I ran next to him pretty much at the start. And I said, hey, you know, just kind of weigh, up, weigh out the options of these kids. Like, are they little kids or are they big kids? Then you can kind of judge how far you want to give a distance. And I was like, I would start about here. Don't go until the gates are actually open. Because usually we'll say, release the kids. There's a few second delay. And then the kids run. As soon as they said release the kids, he was probably already past second base and the kids had not even run yeah, out they had yet. No chance.
5: Yeah. And you can hear it in the fa- yeah. like the parents be like, Oh, they're not even giving him a chance. And um, so it's but it's interesting talking about that when they open up the gates, they say, you know, release the children. It's so loud down there, you can't hear the Yeah, you, you can't, can't hear, hear them say that. You can't hear anything. So you're just kinda like timing it, waiting for it, and he'll be talking and you're like, I think I can hear what he's saying. There's been times where I'm down on the field, not at the gate. And I'm having to yell at them. Open the gates, open because they've said it, and everybody's waiting. But they—it's so loud down there with all those kids. It's—it's—it's it's, yeah. it's definitely a different experience. Absolutely.
0: Last question: If people want to purchase tickets for a group outing, how would they go about doing that?
5: Um, well, there's a couple different ways they can uh, give us a call at the at the stadium office. There, our number's is uh, nine three four. 8444 and uh, they can ask for group sales you can go online you can our emails are pretty easy to find uh, online and that's that's probably the best way to get it is to either call us or email us and then we can work with them directly to make sure they have all the different options and and try to help them figure out what's the best group you know best thing for their their party sweet all
0: right, guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, thank you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you. My thanks again to Chef Travis Wilson, Jamie Briggs, Tommy Two, Ray, and Tommy Thrall for taking time to give a little bit of insight on what they do to prepare for a Blue Wahoos game. And also thank you to the listeners who continue to keep listening to and supporting the show. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes, all podcasting platforms. The show is available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play. And iHeartRadio. You can check out past episodes of the show on all of those platforms. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook, just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. On Twitter, my show page is at D Diamond Podcast. My personal page is at Derek underscore Diamond. And I'm on Instagram. Just go to Instagram and search for D Diamond Podcast. Every week, I post a 60 second preview of that week's upcoming show and other random photos as well Instagram's quite a bit of fun and I believe that does it for this week's show so enjoy the rest of your week have a safe and fun weekend thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience I am your host Derek Diamond and we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday been listening to a nerd cave network production are you looking for new original music if so you should check out my close friends the unicorn wranglers the unicorn wranglers are a local indie rock band based right here in pensacola florida and they are very important to this podcast and that's because they supply the theme music that you hear at the beginning and end of each episode and the song you heard today is d-rock the official theme song of the Derek diamond experience You can also check out their music on Bandcamp. Just go to bandcamp.com and search for the Unicorn Wranglers. And you can hear Murder Mystery Night and 95 Flannel for free. That's my favorite four-letter word, free. You can also follow them on social media. Just search for them on Facebook. And follow them on Twitter and Instagram at URanglers. And finally, be sure to visit their website, UnicornWranglers.com.